can't ever pronounce his name right, but the guy from 12 Years a Slave. And Don Glover? Yeah, there you go. That one. Wow. Not, not Donald Glover. Wow, that is racist. You are the most racist person on this. I was just joking. Uh-huh. When we saw the counselor, because it started to occur to me that that was the first time that all three of us, I think, yeah. had seen a film together. That's not... Well, that, is may, it? that may be right. I believe that that is correct. <gasps> that may be correct. Well, look at that. That was Film Tank in the making. Yeah. I know. We all bonded over the counselor. And it was horrible. Not a good bonding experience. I loved. We had a good time together. It just we the did. movie was not. Good. I loved Al Pacino's face just contorting into this death mask of horror. The best part is Al Pacino wasn't even in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> who was that then? <laughs> who? Uh, oh, yeah, I know, the I know who I'm thinking of now. Do you? Is he white at least? Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, man. there is. An infallible way. They won. What's well, a casino? People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot. Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it, it gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey, you were over the line, that's a foul. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs> Hey there, everyone. Welcome into episode 34 of Film Tank. My name is Alex Diekman, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the 2015 science fiction drama called The Martian. On this episode, we have the usual crew here with Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Hello, hello. Let's science the shit out of this podcast. Hell yeah, I have to science the shit out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody that... laughed in the theater. They shouldn't have, because it was a not great line. Is this just bad writing, or, or is there's everybody just I think not... it's just, you know... Maybe a combination of both. Yeah. I don't think it was bad writing. I thought it was endearing. We'll get more into that a little bit later when we get into our uh, review of the new Ridley Scott film, which, even though we'll, we'll also get into this, uh, maybe was a little bit better than his last two efforts. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, first, though, let's uh, do a usual segment we have on the show, uh, and that is a, a weekend review of what... <laughs> Been watching the last week or so, uh, and uh, who wants to start us off? I guess I can start us off. Oh wow, Tucson! Throw it. I like it. Usually Tucson doesn't want to go first. In the last couple weeks, he's been like right here. Yeah, me first. Right here. Okay, let's, let's do it. So on a whim, you I go, buddy. Thanks, man. 
on a whim, I decided to uh, rewatch uh, Batman Begins. That's yeah, a good one. I haven't seen it in a while, mm-hmm. um, and it's really strange going back to it and like seeing like how this continuity of like how they got the car up on the roof. <laughs> Fuck. Do they ever explain it? No. Actually, yeah, they did actually explain how he got his car really? on the roof. I got to rewatch it. <laughs> it's a totally different film. From yeah, totally the different. one, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, but it actually... I know it's a totally different film. I was making a joke that because it's a reimagining. Of I understand. A... It actually like syncs up really well, so I'm very impressed that you 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 mentioned that. Um, Continue. Yeah, it, it's interesting to go back to this continuing and see how it like pans out in the next two films, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. And... I remember watching this film in the the theater for the first time, and I didn't know what really to make of it. But like going back to it, and I still not really sure what to make of it. Like it's it's a very different Batman film in that like it takes like maybe twenty thirty minutes before like Batman even becomes Batman. Like we just we we get to see more of Bruce Wayne's like origin story about like how he just basically sojourns across the the entire world trying to like find the means to actually like avenge his parents. This was at least for me, the blueprint laid out for Marvel, how to do their origin stories. Hmm. And I think they followed this sort of blueprint with a lot of their origin stories going forward. Okay. This, uh, it, it, it feels like a film that's trying really hard to be a Batman film without actually being a Batman film. It's like trying to be something on its own. And I think that comes with, like, the inclusion of, like, the League of Shadows and Ra's al Ghul, who is one of my favorite, like, Batman villains. But he's just not, like, he's not going if, to, if you hear that Ra's al Ghul is going to be in a Batman film, that's not going to draw the same amount and number of audience or recognition as, like, the Joker or Mr. Freeze or the Riddler even. Like, yeah, the, this film doesn't even really have a major villain. I mean, when you're talking about that the Scarecrow is the major villain of Batman Begins, yeah. I don't think that would draw anyone into the theater saying, oh, I really wanted to go see what they would think about Scarecrow. Yeah. If it, he only had a brain. <laughs> yeah, if he only had a brain. Also, I, by the way, the only uh, villain who shows up in every one of the uh, yes, Batman trilogy films. That's true. I enjoy all of his cameos. <laughs> um, they're all... Very, very interesting and oftentimes very funny. Um, I also thought it was interesting how like there's a lot of gadgets that are in this first film that you never see in any of the other films. Like the, the whole like sonar bat thing, which I thought was really fucking cool and it's really efficient. But like it just never finds its way into Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises just because it doesn't serve the, the themes of those films. Like this one, Batman Begins is all about fear and intimidation and like psychological like horror shit yeah whereas like the rest of them are just more about like anarchy and totalitarianism and revenge and other shit like that i think the thing that always brings me back with this film is how everything ties together so nicely throughout the entire film mm-hmm. we see kind of bruce wayne start in his uh, ascent to becoming Batman, and he starts off with his parents being murdered, yeah. going through all the, these horrible times, and then eventually uh, we find out the moment where he gets involved with Carmine Falcone and wanting to sort of find himself in a different way than what he already knows himself, and sort of reinventing himself in a different way, where he goes overseas to to f- really find out who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And then we get, we get the actual eventual story of him coming back. Oh, he studied abroad in Europe. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. Uh, in prisons. Yeah. Uh, as he, uh, 
isn't he like a volunteer prisoner? I, I think I remember he, at the beginning of part of the film. Of, he kind of just like put himself in a position to to be a prisoner mm-hmm. just to see what it was like. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and yeah, there was just a lot of great things about Batman Begins in terms of how the story all ties together in the end, as as Ra's al Ghul is immortal and returns, uh, and also gets involved with Gotham being destroyed by the League of Shadows by something that was invented by Wayne Enterprises in the first place. That seems to be a constant in all of these films. That there's some evil shit that, like, not evil, but, like, an immoral technology that was just, like, perpetrated by Wayne that was then, like, retrofitted by somebody else. If it's not, like, the, the microwave emitter in Batman Begins, then it's the, the sonar, like, um, computer in Dark Knight. Or Blueprint for the Iron Man series. Well, Tucson, Terror Stars at Home. <sighs> but this is the exact, that's what I was kind of going with about how this was a, pretty much a blueprint for what... Marvel did. If you if you look at what Batman Begins is, and then you look three years later at what the original Iron Man was, hmm. down right to the give every superhero three movies. <laughs> but it, it, it's basically <laughs> the same kind of thing where his company is doing these bad things that he doesn't know about necessarily. I know it's a different character mm-hmm. and it's played a different way, but a lot of the similar themes were kind of I would say, which is weird when you think about it now of. Marvel stealing from DC, but yeah, um, but I, I'm I think Batman Begins is a masterpiece, and I, I I guess I'm kind of surprised that you don't really know how to feel about it, knowing how big of a Batman fan you I, are, and I, that you were kind of not necessarily on the fence about this film, but don't really know how to feel I, about I, it. I am I'm I'm really uh, taken with the the source material and the inspiration behind this film because like it's inspired by like Batman Year One, which is one of my favorite like Batman origin stories. Like it's pretty much the definitive one as of, as of now. Um, and I wish there was a lot more focus on like, like Jim Gordon as a character. I really enjoy him, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good film, but it's still like a film that kind of like leaves me kind of like, uh, I don't know how to approach this, Yeah, but it's, it is, it is a good film. We will agree to disagree there because yeah. I very much enjoy Batman begins and, yeah. uh, I actually may end up watching it again soon now that you've brought it up. So I have no opinion on it because I have not seen it since it was in theaters. And for me, I That's saw it in the drive-in theater with a double feature of maybe that and White Chicks. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> Showing I, its age. Maybe. Damn. Was, that might have been a different double feature, but I hmm. always stayed for both movies. But When I think of Batman Begins, I think of White Chicks. <laughs> Don't we all, brother? <laughs> well, Batman Begins, uh, as I mentioned, I, I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And another one of my favorite films of all time is uh, the film I want to bring up today because uh, Nicholas decided to let me know that Casino was being shown in a theater last week. And I had to uh, finally get the chance. I've been waiting for years for it to finally... I'm just the greatest friend. You ever. are. For real, though. I would not have known about this without you, and uh, I have to. I can't thank you enough for, for letting me know, because, as you know, I've been looking for it to be in the theaters, and it's it's one of those classic films that is not the go-to, like Goodfellas or The Godfather. Right. You or see more. that all the time. Yeah, where a casino is really We've kind of a Godfather. random... Yes, that is true. Parts one... It, I, I, I still love... Uh, how ridiculous that is that they showed the first two parts of The Godfather and they just didn't even think about showing the third. <laughs> yeah, nobody's, nobody's sticking around for that. <laughs> <laughs> but we go see Casino. Myself, Nick, and my wife went to go see it in the theater. And that was just a lot of fun for me. It was a totally different perspective on seeing this movie I've honestly seen 
probably like 12, 15 times. On, uh, and it's a long three-hour film. Yep. But uh, noticing things in the theater, I feel like, is really something that you just really don't get to do that often because how often do we really get to go see films that we've seen many times on the small screen and then go and see it on the big screen and have the, these films where I didn't think there was anything that I'd ever missed and there were all these little details even down to Ginger wearing the same pin that she's given by uh, Ace earlier in the film when they're talking about their possible divorce proceedings. Yeah. And, and it, those are just the little things that I would have never picked up on. And then when you're staring at a huge screen in a room without anything else to look at, you you notice yeah. those things. Or even like somebody like me who had never, I've never not watched it as many times as you have. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've already noticed this before you saw it the last time, but it, it forced me to pay attention even more than I ever have. And I just, even the payoff to the, the line of, uh, I forget all the characters' names, but you know the two in the like the store and his mother, yeah, which uh, you're Pis- gonna, Piscano. Yes, yeah, yeah. when she's like, "You're gonna have a heart attack or whatever." Yes. That is actually how he does die um, in the montage toward the end. You know, little things like that that are, you know, when I I know for me, I don't know about you, but when I go to a theater, I do not check my phone. I mean, some people still do that in this day and age, and so they're called horrible people. They are, but when I'm in a movie theater, I do not do any of that, unless for some weird reason I am the only person in the theater, like, which has happened sometimes yeah. um but even then i 99 percent of the time still don't but when i'm at home i do check my phone or whatever well especially when you're seeing a film that you've watched many times yeah. before which i i have with casino and and i watched it earlier this year uh and at the same you know, i was watching it and i was paying attention but at the same time not paying attention to every single scene we're here i'm, I'm watching every event that is transpiring on the screen happen and uh it, it's it's still a absolutely terrific film in my opinion it's my favorite movie ever and it that didn't change anything seen in the theater i i enjoy every part of it and i i really enjoy and this is something if we ever do an episode on casino i'd go more in depth on but how this film it's a three-hour film but i you know i guess it's something that i've never necessarily thought about but it is very much true when you watch it and i've watched it twice now in the last four months that really this film successfully has an arc for three different major characters throughout the film. And I think actually does it pretty well. And that's something I would go in deeper to if we actually did an episode on it. But I feel like you really can't get that without having the extended runtime. Like you could not get that much information on Ace, Ginger, and Nikki in a two-hour film. So No, for sure. And yet still also make sure you service all the other... Because this is a very plot plot heavy film, mm-hmm. partially because it's based on a real story. And, yes, you know it's just kind of detailing some. Well, actual... there's also many smaller characters that are thrown in the mix throughout right. the film, and they don't need to be nuanced, but they do have a integral as far as like actually moving the story forward. So you do have to spend time with them as well. It's it's a huge balancing act that I feel like Casino does not get enough credit for compared to some of the other gangster movies, uh, especially of like even Scorsese's own like Goodfellas or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I'm I'm right there with you in the sense that I I think it's a wonderful film. Well, and it, it's just um, it's just a, a lot of fun, and there are, are a lot of really funny parts in this film too, which I think is something that the Scorsese uh, gangster films sometimes don't always get the credit for. Obviously, Wolf of Wall Street, which technically wasn't a gangster film, but it 
definitely was more of the style of Casino and Goodfellas a, than his late, later other later films have been. It is a gangster film. That is what gangsters look like in, yeah. in, in this in day and times, age. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I pretty much have always thought as Goodfellas and Casino and now The Wolf of Wall Street as what I call the asshole trilogy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what, uh, you know, contempt and greed like breeds uh, these kind of megalomaniacs. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I saw this week and uh, I very much enjoyed it. And if uh, Casino ever is in the theater again, I'll probably be right back there just I'll giving my know. money away yeah what about you nick uh well, know, i'm assuming you... i saw a movie called casino uh, <laughs> really <laughs> this fucking guy uh this fucking bobo okay i um what is oh i saw a movie i've been meaning to see for the longest time it is uh from 2009 it is called about ellie which is oscar Fahardi's uh previous film that he had made prior to his, I would say, mainstream breakout, uh, A Separation. Hmm. And um, he's actually, I did not know this until I finally started really looking at his filmography. He's been making, I was under the assumption this was his first film, but apparently he's been making films for upwards of a decade now. And uh, a lot of the other ones don't have as much uh, critical following. They're so, partly because they just haven't really even gotten to the States yet, but also because he's just been growing as a filmmaker. But this is like the first film in what I would call his like true rise to, uh, not stardom, uh, but... I would say rise to prominence because I truly feel like this trilogy of films, uh, not trilogy as in they're actually connected, but these last three films that he's done uh, about Ellie, a separation and uh, the past are honestly some of the greatest, like that's one of the best streak of filmmaking personally that I've seen just in three films alone uh, that anybody this day and age is doing. I mean, this, I would honestly call him one of the best, like, uh, dramatist of cinema because he knows how to write a script that mines tension out of things that aren't inherently I would say exciting because I mean if you look at like something like a separation that's all about you know a very simple question did a man push a woman down the stairs like you know she wasn't murdered she wasn't whatever but it's just this question of truth and uh, regret and guilt and just so many other things and it actually makes it exciting and, well, and, and yeah. separation also gets into a lot of family and that kind yes. of thing in terms of loyalty yes. and when it comes to that as well. And that's a lot of themes in, in a separation that really, even though it's a, a totally different culture, it would totally be something that watching it as Americans in this culture, oh, yeah. it would, would ring true still. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's what's amazing is that he only is concerned with like the the human condition at the at the heart of it all. Like, these are situations that there are little details that, you know, would be changed if an American filmmaker made it about an American family, but... Um, Which we really hope never happens. Exactly. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, he's telling stories that should appeal to anybody with a pulse because all he is doing is just peeling apart what makes, I would say, like, characters tick. And so about Ellie is uh, definitely, I would say, his most, quote-unquote, thrilling movie, because it's one of, uh, you know, a separation and the past are more about just trying to peel back layers of truth and memory, you know, like things have already happened, whereas About Ellie is about a contained event that is ongoing and it's happening while they are experiencing it. So just kind of really quickly, uh, it's on Netflix, so if anybody wants to watch it, uh, I recommend it, and maybe stop listening to me now, because I wouldn't call it a spoiler, but I'm going to kind of say what the plot is about, which is a group of friends go on a vacation, and while they're there, um, they, one of the friends invites a woman along to kind of set her up with one of the guys that is coming along. Is this Magic Mike XXL? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> but if you want to talk about that, let's talk about it. I was going to say, you've already voiced your opinion on, on how much you loved that film earlier on. And it is currently, as we record this, Tuesday, October 6th, and that is Magic Mike XXL release date, and I did pick up a copy, so... I did this to myself, I apologize. You did, so ha. <laughs> okay. Um but no, a group of friends go to uh, kind of like a – it's a really shitty place, but it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just kind of like a house or whatever by the seashore. Mm-hmm. And they they bring this one person, Ellie, uh, along with to set her up with this guy. But it's clear that she doesn't quite want to be there. Like it almost feels like she was guilted into going Ooh, type boy. thing. So at first – for the first 30 minutes or so, it's almost like an awkward drama because she's a nice person. She just – Nobody is like letting her make her own decision. Cause... And then Bill Cosby walked out. Wow, <laughs> God! Don't know where you pulled that one from. <laughs> but I, just, I, just, I just don't know, how Bill Cosby. Just entered. roll with it, go. I, I, I right. don't know, man. Like the way you're just explaining, it, like, oh well, these friends are taking this girl, and she's they're trying to set her with this guy, and she's not that comfortable. I, I think it'd be pretty obvious where the Bill. Cosby okay, thing well, came I from. meant more of just like I see it now. Societal politeness. <laughs> Not in any predatorial way. Okay. But she just doesn't want to be there, and she felt like she couldn't say no. It's like one of those, like, I mean, I have friends like that, totally, where, like, if they said, like, oh, you know, do you want to go do this? And I would be like, sure, because I wouldn't want to be like, no, I'd rather go do, you know, whatever. I'd rather not. Right. So, I'd rather stay at home. I'd rather sit at home <laughs> yeah. in my underwear and eat Buffalo Wild Wings. Ex- yeah. Pretty much, actually. I mean, yeah. That's... So they, um, I can't blame you. Quite a few of these couples have children who have also come on the trip. And okay. And so um, during the trip, at one point, it's basically clear that Ellie wants to leave. Like She, she stayed the first night, and then she said that she, she had fun, but she, she really wants to go back now and whatever. And like they actually quite literally like hide her stuff because they think that they – like they just think she's shy and that she just doesn't want whatever. So they're trying to – and so they leave her almost accidentally in charge of the children, and one of the child ends up drowning – and then, but here's the thing: the twist is the child is survives because they they see the child floating, but then she is, disappears. So the question becomes: Did she drown going after the child, or did she actually leave the child unattended because she really wanted to leave and she decided because she made v- these claims about how she would just walk home, you know? If, so then it becomes this really, really uncomfortably, I would say, tense like battle royale between these six, seven friends who all basically feel like shit because of the way they treated her in the first place, but also maybe subtly might hate her because, you know, if she truly did that, that's also not a good thing. And everything about this whole situation is just going downhill fast as they start to attack each other. Spiral into a big groupthink thing where something happens where uh, the, the whole entire group starts thinking one thing happens and then they start forming a group opinion and then... It's it gets really awkward when she shows up again, and everyone. <laughs> well, I won't much... say how it ends, oh, but okay. I will say that um, I will say that it it starts off as like a like a group thing, like what you're describing, in the sense that people start to like give opinions on what they think happened, and I mean the the point is they all feel bad, and that's what's fueling all of their behavior because they realize that somewhere along the line they also made a mistake, not just her, whether mm. you know she whatever. Um, but I will say. I would say the last 40 minutes 
turn this into something that it also was not heading towards, and it ratchets up the tension even more with the introduction of a new plot element that okay. I, I will not uh, describe. Hmm. But once that comes into play, it becomes even more excruciating as to how these people are working together or not working together to convince each other of what may or may not have happened. And I, mm. I, I thought it was fascinating. And it's definitely, uh, if anybody liked any of his other works, I didn't particularly like it as much as I love A Separation because that's one of my all-time favorite films. But it's clearly the same filmmaker and the same kind of grasp on writing these uh, t- very tense situations. Now, in terms of him being this filmmaker that you yeah. said is continued to put out very strong work after, uh, you know, good project after good project. Yep. Now, is that something where you feel like in, in at least in this culture in, in America, where if someone becomes either famous or their work is really well was received and then they're multiple times, then there all of a sudden becomes this pressure to put out more, to do bigger projects, to do, keep doing this where I, I'm guessing there really isn't that kind of pressure on, on him as of yet. I was going to say, there's definitely a huge gap as far as to like how we, I would say, critically review all of our uh, you know filmmakers versus like when people are operating out of their, their own country mm-hmm. that have completely different you know uh, rules. And, I mean, you know, do... do look at like the way U.S. obviously runs tabloids. I mean, that's not the same thing as far as, like... But it is kind of the same thing because we just excruciate every little detail. But but what I, I guess kind of what I'm going back to, yeah. and this is a, a totally obscure... Well, not obscure, but totally different example and someone who was very popular at the time, which he obviously is is not at this point. But if you look at something like Alfred Hitchcock, who really just wanted to make certain kinds of movies at some point, and studios pretty much had contracts with him and said, you know, we'd really like it if you would make that film you just made, but for our film yeah. in, a, in a different package. And Which he like, actually what? literally did. I mean, uh, the man who knew too much, he made that twice, literally. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, one for Britain and one for America. But that's what I'm saying. Like, um, like they're, yeah. they're, they're all of a sudden, and the bigger you become, the more yes. pressure there is from outside sources, and it changes what your material is. And I feel like that, unfortunately, if someone is really good for a certain amount of time, even if they're a foreign filmmaker, I, eventually that becomes part of the play, which is I mean, is I would say un- unquestionably, obviously, anybody can fall prey to just, you know, making so many movies and then running out of ideas or whatever. Yeah. But I do think outside of America, we they don't, like, directors, and I'm thinking of people like Abbas Karastami, who's another I- Iranian director, is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites. Um, but he is continually changing up what he does because he's literally, in the last three years, He's made a uh, an, uh, a film with the participation of, uh, when I say Japan, I uh, made a, f- a French film. This is an Iranian film director, too. He's, like, going wherever he wants to, like, basically gets inspired to uh, everywhere except America. <laughs> um, and is making, and I think, still wonderful movies. And I think part of that is because he is, like, breach, like I would say branching out, going to different places, but also not going to a place that I would say, like, will taint his project before he even begins, so to speak. So I, I'm definitely still excited about like I'm not worried about wherever Oscar Fahardi will go next so long as he just keeps doing what he's doing and uh, doesn't try to deter away from that I mean I really don't think he has because of separation you know that was a uh, that got nominated. It was a very rare case where a foreign film got nominated for actual major categories cause, um, outside of best foreign film. Mm-hmm. Cause it got nominated for best screenplay and maybe something else. Um, but then he made the pass right after that, and that's my like out of the three, I would rank that just slightly above a, uh, about Ellie and below a separation. So he still, I think, 
doing wonderful work. It's just a matter of uh, does he want to continue doing it? Well, that's that, that's that's good going forward. I, I hope it continues and stays away from the toxic American uh, American. Let's make as much money as possible and not give a shit about what your actual product is. Yeah, no, it definitely seems like these are like actual labors, you know, labors of love, so to speak. And uh, since it is on Netflix, I just wanted to remind people again that they should totally check out uh, About Ellie if they can, because it is fantastic. Okay, very good. Hmm. All right, well, moving away from Week in Review into our actual review of uh, the film uh, entitled The Martian, the, the brand-new 2015 film, uh, science fiction drama, directed by Ridley Scott. Ooh. A, uh, a step in the right direction for, for old Ridley Me This. Would that be one small step? For mankind. Oh boy, that's when they went on the moon, dude. This is Mars. No, he has a line a sp- about it in this film too. Making a space joke, okay? Okay. Neil cool. deGrasse Tyson, shut the fuck up. Don't call me that. <laughs> don't call me that. It was well deserved, Tucson. Oh, whatever. So, if you uh, don't know anything about the Martian, uh, the film is about a manned mission to Mars, where astronaut Mark Watney is presumed dead after a storm uh, happens and his crew leaves him behind. Uh, Watney does, though, survive and finds himself stranded alone on a hostile planet. With only meager supplies, he must draw upon his ingenuity, wit, and spirit to find a way to signal back to Earth that he is still alive. At around 4.30 a.m., our satellites detected a storm approaching the Ares 3 mission site on Mars. The storm had escalated to severe, and we had no choice but to abort the mission. But during the evacuation, astronaut Mark Watney was killed. Is it possible that he's still alive? This is Mark Watney. I'm entering this log for the record, and I'm still alive. Obviously. I have no way to contact my crewmates. It would take four years for another manned mission to reach me. In the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm gonna have to science the hell out of this. Okay, let's do the math. I gotta figure out how to grow four years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, none of this matters anyway. Houston, be advised. We've got a video message. <laughs> Mark Watney's still alive. In your face, Neil Armstrong. Let's go get our boy. And if we mess up, we die. Every human being has a basic instinct to help each other out. Without exception. Film stars Matt Damon as Mark Watney. Also, Matt Damon or Mark Watney? Uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. Never Matt Damon. Also starring Jessica Chastain, uh, surprising Kristen Wiig, also Kate Mara, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Sean Beam, Sebastian Stan, uh, and also uh, can't ever pronounce his name right, but the guy from 12 Years a Slave. And Donald Glover? Should we tell yeah, there you go. That one. Wow. Not, not Donald Glover. Wow, that is racist. You are the most racist person on this. I was just joking. Uh-huh. He couldn't pronounce Donald Glover's name. 
He's from Magic Mike XXL. Let's get it straight. He's also from Community. He's also from Childish Gambino. Also was definitely not in 12 Years a Slave, yeah. Tucson. Yeah. But, uh, Those yeah. were different African-Americans. Yeah. As, as Nick said his name, that, that was the one. What was yeah. it again? Chiwetel Ejiofor. There we go. That way, that's how I think it's pronounced. Yeah, it's much cool better name. than anything I had. So <laughs> that guy. Were you going to say Chewbacca? <laughs> that would have been racist. God. <laughs> no, I would, no I would, it's a ch word. I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> okay, so this film uh, it's gotten really strong reviews. Also did fairly well at the box office, especially for a Ridley Scott October release, as uh, it made uh, fifty-five million dollars domestically over this past weekend. Ka-ching. Yeah, seriously. And as I mentioned, uh, his earlier work's not quite that good, as The Counselor and Exodus Gods and Kings were both terrible flaming piles of shit. And uh, we have The Martian, which happens to be a science fiction film and happens to be Ridley Scott making a good film again. I don't know why these things keep happening this I way. I forgot all about The Counselor. Did you really? I actually did. Wow. We really went f- to go see it together. You and really I wanted for- to see it, too. I did, and I... Totally forgot about that. You, you actually forgot about that part that where first... Cameron, Cameron Diaz drops her pants and wait a minute has sex with the uh, windshield of a car. Wait a minute. Right. First of all, let's not talk about the counselor, but let's talk <laughs> let's, about. Let's never talk about how, the how counselor. Could, how could we move off of the scene no, I no, just but, described? But hold on, let's talk about what we when, when we saw the counselor because it's starting to occur to me <laughs> that that was the first time that all three of us, I think, yeah. had seen a film together. That's not well. That may, that may be right. I believe that that is correct. <gasps> that may be correct. Well, look at that. That was Film Tank in the making. Yeah. I know. We all bonded over the counselor. And it was horrible. Not a good bonding experience. I loved. We had a good time together. It just the movie did. was not good. I loved Al Pacino's face just contorting into this death mask of horror. The best part is Al Pacino wasn't even in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that then? Who? <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I know, the fuck I know who I'm thinking of now. Do you? Is he white at least? No, he's actually not. He's Javier uh, Bardem? Is that uh, what you're thinking yeah, of? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Good try, Tucson. Yeah, I tried. See, okay, you One know what? Days. I take it back. You're not racist. You just don't remember anybody. <laughs> I guess not. Sorry. Oh, I just love that you, you went with it, and yeah. I had to call you on it. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. But yeah, that one great scene, actually, it's a terrible scene, but where Cameron Diaz is having sex with the uh, the windshield of a car, and uh, Javier Bardem is in there watching it happen, and he's uh he's just watching it from below and i believe he describes it as a catfish describe it as a catfish uh, sucking on a uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah that was what uh pre- <laughs> nick looks so upset that was what pre- his, his, pre- his face is just nested into his, his hand he just looks so pissed off and so he's not be. looking at anybody i'm sorry nick we can go back to talking about the martian that was what previous ridley scott <laughs> efforts were like <laughs> And now we have moved back to, to science fiction, Ridley Scott. Yeah. And it's uh, a little bit of a better product. So who, who wants to start us off on The Martian? Uh, Toussaint, this is kind of your realm, so maybe you should uh, should grab the baton and go, and go first on, go uh, for it. on, on this How did you uh, Ridley think Scott effort. Al Pacino did in this? With the, uh, <laughs> I thought he, he was... played the sand. He the was planet. spectacular. Oh, and good. she had a great ass! Um, oh, brother. So where art thou? Um, so science fiction is more of my wheelhouse. And it is. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy science fiction. I've seen a lot of science fiction films. I've seen a lot of Ridley Scott films as well, such as Alien and Blade Runner. 
Um, Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, that's a good one. Those are the good ones. Um, I I I don't really get the 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 rapturous like acclaim for this film because I thought it was just okay. okay. I, I thought I thought it was just it, it it was a it was a good film. I just don't get why it got as much praise as it did. Maybe it's because like Ridley has set the bar so low recently with his with his work that he actually came out with a a functional film that everybody's just like tripping over themselves just to congratulate him about it. Hmm. But I thought that Matt Damon was really great. I thought all the supporting uh actors uh such as the the other astronauts and the people that are actually in on earth like trying to help him get back was really cool um when i when, when i told you about my reaction to this film you didn't understand what i was talking about and I wanted, we still don't i know you don't okay so <laughs> For, we got a text Basically, i'm gonna explain the context of what okay, we got how about i explain and then no no no. then you can explain what it means, but me and Alex got a text. We have a nice little uh, film tank message that's always open on our phones. And yeah. mm-hmm. We got a text from Toussaint after I believe me and Alex had already seen the movie, yeah. Yeah. saying something like, uh, I want to say, no, you know what? Hold on. I'm just going to read it verbatim because okay. I know I would not be able to do it justice. <clears throat> Toussaint Egan, 3.41 p.m. The Martian. It's like Jackass, only with astronauts. And then Alex was like, huh? <laughs> and then Tucson goes, you know, the show on MTV. And Alex, and this is basically what I was going to say, goes, oh, I'm, I'm aware. I just have no clue how the Martian could possibly relate in any way to that show. Hence the confusion. So, and then I love that you clarify, because then you go, did you see it yet? <laughs> As if, like, we were so blind to this connection. So please... Uh, please fill in this uh, yes, please, blank of Please ours. enlighten us. Okay. As we Al Pacino. Obviously... <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm going to try to explain this, okay? Please do. If you for, have to try to. For me, going into that film and coming out of it, I, I thought there was like a mashup of Survivor Man meets Jackass with astronauts. And that you had, uh, what's his name? What's Matt Damon's character? Mark Watney. Mark Watney is like speaking to this camera over the course of like how many days. And it was pretty cool to see actually the passage of time and him growing this beard and shit. And it's just hearing him talk about all the cockamamie crazy bullshit that he has to do. It's like, I have to grow food on a planet that it's impossible to grow any food. And I'm just going to take my own shit and then I'm going to create condensation and make fucking potatoes. Yeah, but see, the difference is... Oh, I remember that episode of Jackass. In in, uh, Jackass, they do it for entertainment and here he's trying to survive on Mars. I thought it was pretty If there was a scene in which he said, oh, you know what? I for the folks back home who see this, I have to smash my nuts with a watermelon. <laughs> then I could see the tie in the jackass. But in in no way did I ever see any. Uh, I, I can't say it ever crossed my survivor. We man. have to launch a man into space in a pod with nothing but a fucking tarp on, yeah. and then we gotta have oh. him like poke a hole actually, in his fucking suit, just fly around like fucking Iron Man. It would have weighed too much if he would have paid attention to the fucking film. I did. It would have weighed too much if they saw the front of the. Uh, the spaceship on there. I so did. That's, that's still fucking off. insane. Okay. I know that's the. I know that's the internal reasoning, but that doesn't mean well, he should have died. Well, Neil deGrasse Tyson, can you can you come back and say why that? Why was do you got to keep on using that as an insult? Can I'm, we talk I'm, about Neil deGrasse Tyson for a second? You want to? What do you want? To, what do you have to say about him? Okay, yeah. let's talk about uh, scientific accuracy and science fiction. I don't think. <laughs> all... <laughs> that's that's me talking about. I it. don't think it's all that important. I think that it's an interesting. Um, it, it's it, it's interesting to have it in, but I don't think that it should be like the the the. 
I don't think it should even be talked about. Like, I don't think it should be the ruler that we judge all science fiction films by because, like, it's science fiction. I want right. to watch a it's science called, fiction it's, film. If, if, if I cared about scientific accuracy, I'd be watching science nonfiction. Right. Uh, unless I was watching a documentary, I don't give a shit if anything is plausible. The only thing that ever has to make sense are character motivations and thought processes. And, and here's the thing, at least for me, if the filmmakers are at least making the effort to try to be scientifically accurate... Or, it, oh, I guess I should rephrase that. If the film is going for that, and the filmmakers are making an effort to do that, I'm on board with it. And if it's just trying to be fun, like a film like Armageddon, and it's not scientifically accurate, I don't care either. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, if, if this film was trying to get involved with NASA, and they tried to get involved with, with theory of how things actually would go, and if, it, it seems like the filmmakers of The Martian actually did that. Like, if there are plot holes in it, who gives a shit? Like, it's... It's it's a fictional film in the first place, which right. is the whole we, point. We wouldn't be watching the movie we got to watch unless people took liberties. I mean, right. that's just how storytelling works. Um, Interstellar is not a perfect movie. For yet, a lot of reasons. But that has nothing to do with whether it's an accurate movie or not. Like, that comes down to a whole lot of other things. And yet that was all you ever heard about when that movie came out was, well, can this... And it's, which is even more erroneous because that's theoretical science. And I don't even think, like, in my opinion, it's all the same shit as far as, like, what we should actually care about when it's on film. That's, like, I think it just doesn't matter. But it's, it's even more like, ludicrous that we had those talks around something that was as theoretical as something like that. Like, how scientifically accurate is... And, and I don't even think this existed, but it's that's as stupid as trying to determine the scientific accuracy of like would the blight ever happen in real life like and people like taking stock and like like pissing on the fact that they use the word blight they don't even know what that word means which literally means crops are dying that's the whole that that's why they call it that yeah. so yeah. but if you look at the martian and just the, to realize that this film takes place in although it's going for somewhat realism it's obviously in an alternate reality of what we live in today yeah where it is supposed to be present day nasa's actually being funded oh well nasa's being funded a and b there are manned missions that take a year to go to and from mars so um it's 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 a different world that they live in in the martian as long as movies only come down to one thing and this is exactly why I'm the same person who tore apart a movie like Chappie, even at a plot level. A movie has to set up its own universe, and then it cannot break its own laws. But if you are comparing a film to real life, then you that, that, that doesn't stop at science fiction. That can be applied to even dramas, because guess what? Once you put a camera in front of something and you give people lines, it is no longer something to, to which that can be judged by how we act in real life. It's just never going to be the same thing mm. unless it's a documentary. And even that is not the same thing because that also has its own confirmation biases. Or like a, like a mumblecore film. Well, I'm just saying even that is something yeah. different. Even well, if that's what it's going for, it's still mm-hmm. not the same thing. A lot of these, I wouldn't even say like criticisms because I think some people are genuinely wanting to have debates about it, which if you actually are wanting to do that, I guess that's something you can do. Which Not, not, not to say that it's good or bad, However, a lot of these kind of things with Interstellar, with this film, are just fueled by people wanting to get their name noticed on the internet. Yeah. So. The, the worst part of this whole recent trend of clickbait bullshit is that you, you only see the ones that get passed around the internet as put out by film sites, mm-hmm. not by science sites. And, like, you know, like, I'm not saying that 
science publications are not tackling these things or whatever. Yeah. But we're going to all the wrong places, I think, for this kind of information. And therefore, we're conflating what we want uh, out of these uh, articles as well because we're starting to confuse the idea that whether something is scientifically accurate, yes or no, has any merit or value whatsoever in actually evaluating the film's work. Especially for this film where we're honestly, this is a story about rescuing somebody from a, a distant, desolate planet where it's not necessarily, the, the story is not about the science. The story is more about the journey than anything, even though obviously there are a lot of scientific elements at play here. That's not really the the plot of the of the narrative of the Martian. I mean, if you're watching a movie like this, and like when he explains, you know, like the the minute he says a line that you just quoted earlier, Tucson, I just science the shit out of this. Not that one. The one about how I have to grow things on a planet in which things cannot be grown. That right there tells you that we're probably going to start entering things that are already far-fetched. I'm not even saying scientifically mm-hmm. inaccurate, but that is kind of when I became on board with the film because I realized that all the film was ever going to try to do was methodically work through its own problems. It doesn't mean that it was going to be accurate, nor did it ever claim to be. It's not like they slapped on based on real science, like, at the beginning or at the end. Like, if, if, if we're talking about, like, a... Like a, a a biopic or something like that. And yeah, sure. Then maybe we can start to really, that can be a fair criticism because when films claim to be based on anything at all, then you are starting to uh, taint the water, so to speak, as to whether it's pure and whether you can still judge it, uh, unbiasedly but when a film like the martian is like hey this is science fiction then why the fuck does it ever matter yeah so mm. and that's just i, so, I just don't care sometimes that's to come down to like suspension of disbelief yeah yeah that yeah. is but what you need to do in that films. is correct but like i said earlier that you'd have to do that with every other film you watch i mean <laughs> not to mention this is that we've mentioned before when we've done these oh, kind of episodes this is a science fiction right. film i mean so look at a film like ocean's 11 a film that i love alex you love i don't mm. know if tucson has ever seen it still have to see it okay well that's a tragedy yeah. um you're lost but look at a film like ocean's 11 that is a movie that very very carefully I would say, and methodically goes over every inch of that heist. But yet, can't you still, like... Poke holes in it. Right. I mean, if you really wanted to, like, it would be like, well, that can't actually happen. But we don't do that for a fucking heist movie, and therefore we should not do it for something that is called science fiction. But you can always look at plot holes in any film. It could be right. a, a children's film, too. Right. And that's the thing. It's, it's plot holes. And here, we're not calling it plot holes. So it's like what we talk about when we talk about scientific inaccuracy. We're talking about plot holes, and yet we're thinking that really we're all just jacking off on each other, trying to pretend to be smarter than we are, mm. because instead of just calling it plot holes, we're thinking that we're actually applying some kind of academia to it, when really most of us have no idea what we're talking about. Well, at least for this film, I will say this, and not trying to defend people talking about the scientific... I don't care that it, people it, talk about it. But, but I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is I feel like um, if, if you want to bring it up about a film like this, I feel like it's done well in this film, even if there are things that are, are totally fiction. And you know what? Honestly, that's, again, as you mentioned earlier, that they, that they are. But I feel like this film tried really hard to, to actually give you something that both is is fiction because we actually don't know what would happen in that situation right. but at the same time giving you something that actually was thought provoking and actually yes. holy shit that actually maybe could happen right the only reason and therefore this is why we should not eliminate this discourse uh 
altogether. But the only reason why we should be talking about scientific accuracy in the first place is to get to an end result in the field of science, not right. in the field of film. So it's just once people take this to a conclusion of what it says about the film, no, then you're wrong. But if you want to have this conversation about what's scientifically accurate about it, The Martian, I'm going to apply it to... So what can we learn from it? Can we like start to actually test this idea or something like that? Because really that's how things get... Instead of trying to grade the the, the quality of the film yes. itself. It should, re- it should be only used for inspiration and yeah. not, you know, uh, criticism. Yeah. So, Tucson, roping back to your initial comments, which sometimes have happened on the show before we we've gone a little bit off uh, off topic from oh that. yeah so we talked about uh, si- man <laughs> oh yeah talked about science uh in more in depth also talked about jackasses it sort of doesn't relate to this film get to but your question it's just like scientific inaccuracy it just doesn't matter <laughs> right but i wanted to get more into what you were saying is as you've kind of been going against what the norm is that you it sounds like you did enjoy this film, but I, not nearly as much as other people did. You were you were even more maybe indifferent. I, did, I didn't. I didn't think it was a rapturous experience. I thought it was a good science fiction film. I just don't see like what what the big fucking deal is. Could, could I sure. maybe give my sure? Out? Yeah, and, of course. And, 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 and nope, that's not what we do here. <laughs> and and disagree with what that's, you're saying. A that's little fine. Bit. Please. Um, I when I went to see The Martian, as I went with Nick. Uh, we saw it in 3D, which I still think 3D is terrible, but that's my opinion on it because I, I so don't. So did you only go to see 3D because you knew I wanted to see 3D? Yeah, you're a good friend. I oh. am. I'm nice like that. See, sometimes that's the thing. Like I'll, I'll say, let's go see it in 3D because I know you genuinely like it. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't fucking want to go see this in 3D. Which I would totally go with. I don't. I don't like it. I don't. I don't. I personally don't think 3D adds anything. In fact, I always think it subtracts from the film, but. That's my personal belief. That's hmm. understandable. The Martian, however, for me is a film is is a film that I I did enjoy it when I was watching it, but I liked it more every time I thought about uh, little things in it. And I think that the main part about The Martian that I really like is that the overall message I think is really positive from this film. Whether you take away the message from the plot, whether you take away the message from from the idea of this film, where it's not even so much about it being possible that these things are scientifically accurate. It, it's the message that we should be trying to do these kind of things. We should be trying to have people go to Mars and see what it would be like if a man was on Mars, to see what it would be like if someone tried to grow potatoes on Mars, and just to, to try to do things in general. And it doesn't have to be involving space. It could be working together with resources that we have on Earth, as we see a very unusual part of this film where the Chinese yeah. give their technology to try to help this person and actually it working. And it actually shows, hey, we wouldn't have had this without this technology. They decided to just hand it over to us, which totally would fucking never happen. And then... Uh, we're able to rescue Mark Watney from Mars then only because of this technology they afforded us, which I feel like is a, in terms of humanity, a great message of I agree. W- instead of having a dick measuring contest of who can get to the moon first, why don't we try to actually get to the moon 
and find out about it instead of just saying, I fucking got there, America! I, 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 I totally agree. Tucson, um, why were you shaking your head earlier with regards to the Chinese? Well, you, with the Chinese, I was like, like, no, I was just like, man, they would, in real life, they would totally leave that man to die. Yeah. They would never, like, give away their hi- their hypothetical, like, super technology <laughs> to, like, save this one man. It's like, there would be no... I mean, in the context of the film, like, it serves them because, I mean, it... it it shows like, hey, America needs a helping hand. Why not the Chinese help them out? And also, like, it just it's good for it's good PR for them, really. Oh yeah. Um, I I I agree with you on on the high concept like meaning of of this film that you know what if people just like decided to put aside their differences and actually like devote themselves to, like working together. I really took away on the like the low level like message of of the film with. Uh, with Mark Watney's like last speech to all those like different students that really like, that's what science is. It's like, you have a problem, then you solve another problem. Then you solve that problem. If you solve enough problems, you get to go home. And I'm just like, that's a good way of like someone up science. Huh. Well, and, and I feel yeah, like it's just too oh. bad. The last scene had to fucking spell out everything. That the movie had already <laughs> gone through two hours of uh, showing. I just thought that was a good, a third grade teacher once told uh, my class, and I'm sure every other teacher has also said this, show, don't tell. So the minute we got to that scene, I was like, nope. <laughs> uh, okay. But anyway. Well, what I was going to respond with, though, is that I I feel like a lot of parts of this film work so well together when you get to the final product, which obviously, if you're seeing it for the first time, mm-hmm. you're not going to know where it's going. But now that I have seen it, and I've tried to piece everything together, remembering back what happened in the film. Did you think he was going to die at any point? No. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I guess that was just my personal belief. And if he would have, I, I, I guess I, I wouldn't have been. Uh, if can I give my theoretical how I wanted this film to end, which would have sure. been a completely different message that's, that's from fine. where it ended. Go for it. Yeah. I personally wanted them to go back and attempt to save him, and. In doing so, one of the other members of the crew Dies. ended up dying in an effort to do this. Fuck. It would have been a completely different message than with the film, yeah. but I, I think it would have said something in, in, in interesting in the same way of, we've made all this effort to save this one person, and then, oh, we just we just lost somebody else. Like it would have, In terms of the importance of one person and another, it would have been a completely different message than what the actual film ended up saying. Yeah. Um, but think, that's not what they ended up doing. Is is it's a, like, pretty much the most happiest ending you that could possibly would have eclipsed have like the entire like science positive message of this film. It would have, and it would have been the same kind of thing with the film uh, that came out last year. That that film with Tom Hardy, where it's just him in the car the entire time. Lock. Yeah, where I had wanted like the most cynical ending of that film, and they they didn't go for it, which I think would have made it a much better film. Yeah, and I, I don't think that. What did they? No. Oh, I thought... Like, like, everything just pretty much ends up being a happy ending at the end of that oh, film. I guess I, I, I always saw it the one, but I thought it was the whole point was, like, you know, everything did blow up. He lost his job. He lost his, possibly his wife. He, he did. I was, okay. I, I was, I'm just saying, like, it was not a happy ending. No, but for what he wanted to happen in terms of where he was going in that film... Nothing crazy happened where I thought it may have been, and it would have blown up in his face okay. even more, and it would have been a much more thought-provoking film. I mean, yeah, it was definitely tepid, but it's not the same ending 
as like what this is, which is this is the best possible outcome. Yeah, I guess yeah. I'll, I'll I'll agree with you there, but because like the equivalent of this in that movie would have been like the wife saying, "You know what? Just come on home. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I don't care that you lost your job and that you yeah. cheated on me when you are right." And... <laughs> I, I I'll give you that now. Thinking about it more, um, but but yeah. th- this film, The Martian, though, uh, does have a very positive, happy ending, and and I I do 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 like it. I do like that they're going for something positive. Nick, you brought up another film earlier this year that had the same positive e-message that I did not care for, which was Tomorrowland, which I feel like this is just a far superior film than that. Uh, And uh, I'll just go with... What's what? What Tomorrowland? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. That's I said that this was like a much more uh, to Alex. I, I don't remember the word I said because I enjoyed Tomorrowland personally. Mm-hmm. But I said this was a uh, def- less blunt about that message, which mm-hmm. is funny to say because this film is not subtle about its message either. Nah. <laughs> but w- what I will say um, to close my my opening that has gone on for probably too long, uh, I, I I feel like my favorite part of this film, which I feel like. Uh, it, it builds off this, and it ends up being a building block for the rest of the film. But when Mark Watney discovers the, the old original thing that had landed on Mars, which was there in, what, 1997? Was that the year they gave? I think and so. he, he ends Something up like that, yeah. using this old technology to get a message to the people involved. And then they are eventually, with this form of communication, able to communicate him to go somewhere else to actually find out how to use the other means of communication that he would not have known of without this original old mm-hmm. sort of almost like Morse code. If you want to talk about in, in terms of hexadecimal, like hexadecimal yeah. cipher that, yeah, it's crazy. I, I really enjoyed that. And I feel like the way that this film built off itself as it went on uh, only got better. And, and I enjoyed pretty much the whole package. Yeah. He signs the shit out of it. Yeah, that, that, that and he's a botanist. There so. were there were some there were some parts of this film uh, in terms of uh, ways that the plot went on and, and in terms of the way things were described and, and jokes that just fell flat for me that I didn't care for. But overall, I really I didn't enjoyed mind it. that whole aspect of the film okay. because in this day and age, we're starting to take science almost too seriously. To like you know, and I say that as someone who likes science fiction, yeah. but we we are idolizing people like Neil deGrasse Tyson as a but really, this is what would actually happen, okay? And, like, we... What? <laughs> no, no, continue. Like, like, but we're putting such an emphasis on, like, the drawlness of it that I feel like we've kind of forgot that half the reason why, like, kids love to, like, pretend to be scientists is because you get to blow shit up. You get to, you know, create things from nothing. And, like, that's what I loved about the character of Mark Watney. I was actually a big fan of this movie. I, I mean, it's not, like, a all-time favorite this year or anything like that, but I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I was... That so much of this movie worked for me, and part of that was because, much like science, this this movie approaches, its, I would say, its storytelling in the same exact way that Mark Watney approaches his uh, survival, which is that it just keeps solving one problem and then moving on to the next. And for me, like that's what made the script work, was that it didn't get too wrapped up in... I would say balancing too many things. It just simply goes between, uh, you know, Mark Watney and the, the scenes back in Earth. And even though, like, when when you go from one Earth scene, uh, when we check back in on Earth, like, we, we we moved on to another problem. So, like, I just really, really enjoyed the pacing of this film, first and foremost. I thought the 
the I would say the sense of humor and the kind of personality of Mark Watney. Like I thought that was the I would say okay, the pairing of Drew Goddard as the scriptwriter with Ridley Scott's direction was actually one of the best team ups in like I just it's one of those things I wouldn't have thought of, of before it happened and then having seen this movie it makes perfect sense because we know Drew Goddard got his start writing for uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel under the tenure of Joss Whedon, who literally created uh, fiction back then uh, that had this undercurrent of smart assery mm-hmm. uh, dealing with very apocalyptic like situations. You know, like these are very heavy subjects that would get filled with dread if you didn't have somebody like Whedon saying, "No, let's say something here where you know someone realizes that it's you know they can let loose a little because otherwise they would just fucking blow their brains out." Yeah. So I like that. A we, we got that sensibility through Drew Goddard's script, which I do is also I do know is also based on the books. I don't know how much, of course, made it into the script as far as I'm not going to give credit to only these people, mm-hmm. but I've only seen the film. Um, and mix that with uh, Ridley Scott's direction, which he's always been a fantastic director, but lately he's been choosing projects with so much fucking self-importance that I just don't give a shit. But now that he was actually kind of having fun again, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I... Kind of going with what you're saying, Nick, that yep. they're the direction and the writing that goes together is, is really nice for this film. But also, I think the the story that the writing for this is, is important because we almost have a, a story uh, where not that Mark Watney is necessarily the same as it was with Tom Hanks and Castaway, but it is this person who is by themselves for so long. And we also don't get the, I wouldn't even say craziness, but he doesn't go as far as Tom Hanks goes in The, in, in, in the Martian. And also, uh, we, we kind of get the feeling, though, that he is someone who is spending all this time with himself. And he has all these, these thoughts that honestly are thoughts that people would have, but he's saying them out loud, which is great for us as a screen, like talking about the disco and that kind of thing. And, well, do you have anything else? Oh, no, you don't. And saying stuff out loud about... Like the certain way that a, a, a fellow team member's uh, feces smells, the kind of thing that you probably wouldn't say when you were talking to a camera if you hadn't been sitting there by yourself for the last 40 days and yeah. thinking in your own head. I'm glad you brought up Tom Hanks because this actually reminded me of a different Tom Hanks movie, and I'm not talking about Apollo 13. <laughs> um, I'm actually talking about Captain Phillips because okay. I think both of them are not the same movie or anything like that, but they both approach their, I would say, well, because Captain Phillips is kind of a story about survival, too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a hostage survival, but it's the same thing as far as I love that this movie's approach was very similar to that movie's approach, where it lets his character exist and uh, methodically figure out how he's going to navigate between every problem that arises. And then at the very end of the movie, we'll let the emotional climax come out, because I feel like that's actually more rewarding in a way than trying to, like, hammer home that he's like depressed or whatever i could already figure out a character like mark watney would maybe be a little depressed or maybe there's a scene where you know not a scene but maybe there's a moment when he cried himself to sleep one night like you know you don't have to show me a scene of that um in the movie but it's so much more powerful when we have a scene like when he's about to be blasted off into space and he's finally going to leave mars and he has no idea we pretty much kind of know what's going to happen because you know we've seen this movie before but (laughs) when you're in that situation even if you you know even if you're a you know like he doesn't know what's going to happen because he's not and he actually has to like you know just hope that it works like it's just not a will it will it's like i will die or i won't type thing and so when he's on um, that ship and before it gets 
like and he's finally communicating with them uh, via like audio and mm-hmm. he starts to like almost lose it but of course the engines are going so loud that no one's really noticing either like that was like all i ever needed as far as like emotional like fragility uh and it does it in one scene and i i that was one aspect of the film that i liked and it really reminded me of tongues tom hanks's scene in captain phillips when yeah. he's laid out on the gurney like after the entire ordeal um, so I just I love that approach too, like how it kind of separates and I wouldn't say quarantines, but separates like you know the intellectualism of the script or the emotionalism and whatnot. Well, we we see a lot of other characters that are involved in this story are are basically for the most part plain stereotypical characters, like the Jeff Daniels character that was very much by the book with that kind of character, kind of assholeish. It, well, I've got to answer these people, and I'm, I'm I got to keep doing this. So but I'm I gotta say, keep doing, saying these things, Jeff Daniels, his character was a, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Okay, because I actually felt like it was less of a stereotype than it initially mm. presented to be. Not because he was nuanced, because there's a difference between having a nuanced character. Not obviously there's a difference, but I would say having a nuanced character and having a stereotypical character are not always polar opposites because Jeff Daniels' character on the outset is doing the things that that character would normally do. However, mm-hmm. I don't think the film ever stressed that he was doing it because he was inherently bad or anything like that or that he was blind to what he was saying. Like mm-hmm. He just was actually – he kind of came across as an asshole because he might have been the only person who was seeing the situation clearly – and was removing emotional attachment to, uh, you know, his deciding but, but factor. But I, I, I don't think it's different than any other character would have done in that same I situation guess, in a film, at least. Like, I guess I can I can see that point of view, but I disagree in the sense that I feel like a lot more films would have maybe put, like, some, like, Hans Zimmer Brahm, like, after his, like, declarations of, like, we're not going back, and that's that. And, like, clo- slamming a door like he just was doing his job. I don't think they portrayed him in a light that was any different than any of the other people on Earth. I think I agree. With you. He just had a different job. I, I agree with you, Nick, because um, his character, honestly, I thought he was going to be the villain of the film, if there was right. going to be a villain. It looks but, like it in the beginning. He's he, he, he he's not so much nuanced as he, he's kind of sympathetic in a way, because you, you have to put yourself in his position, is that he's the head of NASA, right. and he has to like make all these hard decisions, and when they're trying to... like create that rocket in order to send all of those um those resources to him that he basically like sped up the the actual development time foregoing like this whole inspection period and he right. said that i'll take the blame for it and he does take yeah. point and take the blame that for it true not yeah. only that um, i love the one it wasn't like a speech but there's that one point when he clearly explains like an ideology that I think would turn some people off because they just don't understand that that's how the world works sometimes. But when he explains like the concept of like, like at first, like he's like, we can't send people up there because then we're admitting we're, you know, we fail. And if we do that, then we don't get to do this ever again. And if, you know what I mean? Like it's that Mm -hmm. kind of mentality, which it it seems like monstrous and cold. And yet also when you go to space, yeah, you're not going there with some kind of guarantee that you're coming home. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not like he was giving he was giving up on Mark Watney after saying, "Oh, don't worry, buddy. We're gonna do everything we can if you accidentally get stranded on a planet that we can barely even get to." Our, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like when he was weighing those, like you know, like um, 
which is ironic because in our present day, NASA is shut down. And we, so we know that that's actually, you know, I don't want to say scientifically accurate, but that is a real fear that somebody in that job would have, that this would all go uh, to shit if we just rescue one person, which it barely even has a possibility of even working. Mm-hmm. Can I say uh, one of my favorite parts of the entire film was Jeff Daniels in, in one of his uh, opening press conferences answering questions and people are like is this going to have an effect on nasa and i don't know the answer to that uh well is mark watney what's happening with his body i don't know we're the looking answer. into that yeah are, are you going to be stepping down no yeah <laughs> no <laughs> so, so and in reality he's, that means he's the best person for the job because do you want somebody like sean bean's character as the head of nasa no you want him as the head of mission control or the mission itself really because that's what his priorities are but that would not be a good fit so that's why i guess i never really saw him as that stereotypical because I thought okay. he would have been more villainous, especially when he was first introduced. Because I thought, like, okay, here we go. This is gonna be like the Billy Bob Thornton. Like, I'm gonna pull a gun out of my ass and just like, <laughs> like I don't know, but like, just like you know, get into like, like way like too literally. No, not literally. But, I was say, that's um, but like, Billy Bob Thornton become way too hostile in such a corporate and you know uh, environment that it just would makes no sense. So that's why I he was one of my favorite parts because I thought it was way more resistant than I believed it. I can kind of get on board with that so, a little bit more than, than yeah. initially. I thought I still think. In terms of that kind of character, he was he was definitely – I was not surprised that that kind of oh. character was there. But, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Tangentializing off of that, like one of his, one of my favorite parts of the film that he was a part of was when Donald Glover came in in order to like show like the, the new plan that they're actually going to go for Mark Watney. And like the name of the project was Project Elrond. And that was such a nerd send-up that, that even went over my head. And I was just like, yeah, that was the name of the council who were trying to like – like get the, the the one ring away from Sauron. It's like, and then he's just like, well, if this is Elrond, then I want to be be Glorfindel. <laughs> yeah. And and she's just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I also love that scene because the guy who actually played Boromir is sitting <laughs> there in the room with them. Yeah, see, those guys got a sense of humor. Yeah, um, that was awesome. No, and oh no, I was just gonna uh, just throw out a question just for you guys to answer. No, oh well, but no, I think I'm just answering it uh, before I hear it. No. <laughs> just uh, in terms of uh, the, the the characters and the, and the actual story and narrative of this film, we've talked about the, the the higher themes. We talked about the scientific part of this film, but in terms of the actual story that involves the characters uh, and the actions of the characters throughout the film, not even necessarily just Mark Watney, but the other characters too. How did how did this film work for you in that in that in those terms? Which terms? I mean, sp- sorry, I. I'm trying to think. I guess this is more of like a general question in terms of like the characters, how they work together, how how the story okay. flow between the characters and, and not even just Mark Watney, I but do... like like Kate Mara's character and yeah. her randomly having that romance at the end with uh the the winter soldier and them getting together and having oh, a baby and... yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um what was I gonna say? Um one thing that I particularly liked about this film because it is such a you know, by this time uh we've seen a lot of space movies you know, like you mentioned armageddon you know apollo 13 whatever that they do kind of follow the the same uh trajectory and whatnot and even here the structure is not that at all different as far as like it goes back and forth between the mission or mission control or whatever however this might be the first space movie i've seen in a long time that i personally was just as invested in the earth scenes um okay than i was in uh, what was happening in mark watney's uh point of uh, martyrs or whatever um because i thought that 
even though the, the characters themselves weren't like particularly nuanced, and some of them are like coming from a very stereotypical, uh, you know, place, like we've seen them in other space travel movies, um, there was something kinetic about those Earth scenes, like in a way that really drew me in as far as like they're doing the same exact thing that Mark Watney is doing. Like Mark Watney is not a super genius. He mm-hmm. just, it makes perfect sense that this is the company that he works for because they all had that same mentality of we need to solve a problem and let's get everybody in the room that we can and Skype everybody else in. That kind you of- tell them that they have to build this thing in one quarter of the time that they yeah. originally had. And I really like the, I would say the film's, like I would say, self-aware tone of like when like Jeff Daniels' character tells you know uh, I don't know the character's name Boromir. Like, no, the 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 guy who was in charge of um of like you know across the like in California. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah I feel you. I know. What you're I, talking I just about. don't know his name. The I, guy who had a cousin in China. And I don't want to say something racist in describing him, but um, yes, the Asian person who was. <laughs> um, who was, I'll, I'll get they you kept, a character. I'll get you a character. Yeah, name. they Go kept ahead. skyping in. Like every time that Jeff Daniels would come to him and like bump up the time uh, timetable or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of like the film's self-aware tone that like that's not realistic, and yet that's also not the point because like every time he said it, I loved like even at one point he almost even not breaks the fourth wall, but he's like, yeah, I know because I'm gonna say do it in this. You're gonna say I can't do it for less than this, so that's why I'm just saying right now do it in this time. And yeah. and he's like, okay, you know. So okay. it's kind of like even they've seen these movies before, and that's mm-hmm. that's why I, I really liked it. I don't have a name for you. Oh, sorry. that's okay. They're they're all put next to each other, and there are no photos that Those go. So I, I don't. That I and they're all very similar names, <laughs> so I, it's going to sound even more racist if I yeah. just say one of them. So um, sorry. No, that's okay. So, but that's that's one of the reasons why I love the Earth scene so much is that as much as like I've seen this movie before, I felt like so had the characters in the movie, and that's why they were able to kind of get past a lot of the bullshit and just only argue about what is the most like just like all the logistics of this actual problem which is what I was most fascinated with and in reality that's exactly what Mark is doing too so I love thematically how those two kind of mirrored each other I, I, I do enjoy that I, I will say I prefer the the earth scenes to the or, or, sorry I prefer the space scenes to oh, the earth scenes I was, like, I was surprised by that oh no I, yeah. sorry I just I said, it, like, said it incorrectly Alex, you're, that sounds like something I would say oh it's, it's, it's not something I would say and that's <laughs> right. not how I feel either about okay. I just spoke incorrectly which tends to happen if you listen to the show ever. I mean, <laughs> really, which, you know, it, I mean, Earth is a relative term. I mean, okay. Matt Damon okay. is the Martian, think, so to speak. Yeah. I think I think we're done here with that. Just, Philosophically speaking. Oh, God. This is the rabbit hole. Have you ever seen the Twilight Zone episode where they don't live on Earth and then they... They they go on the space trip and then they just accidentally actually land on Earth and they're like, oh, you mean that wasn't Earth all along? I mean, it could okay. happen. Anyways, um... I really did enjoy the space scenes. Soy went green once, people. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> continue, Alex. Thank you, Charlton, for that great <laughs> performance right there. I've uh, been spending uh, the majority of this podcast trying to like remember <laughs> this one thing that really stuck out to me that I really enjoyed about the film, and I didn't. I did enjoy this film. I don't want to come off as as somebody who. I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I I did really did enjoy this film. I, I don't just, think you are coming off as a contrarian. I mean, yeah. a because it's not a film that has I would say such a huge following or something like that. But but I but I feel like my um, my reaction to it and my assessment of it is almost diametrically opposed to the majority of of like reviewers, along with my my co-hosts here. Like I know that you guys really enjoyed it. It's like I I enjoyed it too, just maybe not to the same extent as everybody else. I thought it was a serviceable. Like entertaining, fun, 
sci-fi film. And and it was it was cool getting to see like Matt Damon. And everybody keeps on wanting to make this joke that we spent so much money on trying to retrieve Matt Damon <laughs> from places from uh, Saving Private Ryan to Interstellar to The Martian. Maybe a reason why I like this movie more than I initially thought I did was because, ironically, watching Interstellar, uh, his little cameo, everything with his character in Interstellar that takes place on the ship – uh, once they get off the ship, then it turns to shit, in my opinion. Uh, but, but when they, <laughs> but when they wake him up out of this, uh, the cryo freeze or whatever sleep, um, like, and then he has an emotional breakdown, whatever. I literally, when I was watching that movie, had the thought, I want to watch a film of this character, and that's exactly what this movie is, <laughs> in, in a way, because mm-hmm. it's about you know him being stranded, you know, yeah. whatever. So I, almost subconsciously, it was like this was like a direct response to anybody who wanted. Maybe to have that thought or yeah. had um, when they saw Interstellar because I genuinely did. And then, um, anyway, it's just a weird tie in because people are making jokes about it, but I'm like, no, there's actually a funny tie in between those two because mm-hmm. I, that's, this is exactly what I thought of when I watched Interstellar. So, yeah. anyway. So, do you guys want to go into final thoughts and, and sure. ratings here? I, Nick, you're yeah. Tucson, actually. You actually pretty, pretty much, much gave your yeah. final thoughts, but yeah. anything else you want to want to add and uh, give your your rating for The Martian? I mean, no, that's that's pretty much where I'm I'm leaving it on. I was like, I I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Um, I'm giving it a three and a half out of five. Oh, the old Tucson rating. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm just kind of like middle of the road. It's just like, I don't think it's spectacular, but you know what? It's not quite middle of the road. That's actually a pretty good middle rating. Middle is two and a half. I, I know. I, I either go with the two and a half or three and a half, you know? <laughs> just, uh, three is available to you, yeah, just so you know. know. It's three. there <laughs> yeah. whenever you want them, buddy. Yeah, I know. It's like, all right. It's buddy. a pretty good rating, I've got to say. So <laughs> I, I think you're think you were you were giving me a little harsh based on your rating ended up. But Maybe I should give okay. it a three. I'll give it a three. You don't have okay. to. Hold no, on. No. No, whoa, think, whoa, think... whoa, whoa. What <laughs> whoa. kind of totalitarianism or whatever <laughs> podcast is this that we are going to dictate what other people. You stick by that three and a half two slot. And I don't want to hear any more out of you, Alex. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I, uh... okay. I guess so. No. Okay. Well, but, now but... you've just put this film on the hit list, so that just remember that. That's, That's cool. what you just okay. I, You know what? Cool. I feel a lot better about hey, putting the if Martian. Prometheus is on there. I, I feel a lot better on putting the Martian on the hit list than putting Prometheus okay. on the hit list. Okay. Now, if we can remember. I can never though, take that back. Prometheus is on the hit list only because of a technicality, because of right. the old rating system. And then we made you the wore me down. Rule. What's that? I was worn down by no, that film. No, but Prometheus stays on the hit list yeah. to remind us why we have the new rating system that we do yeah. for the hit list. Yeah. So it it's an outlier. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Anyways, if I can give my sort of final feelings and, and rating on The Martian, I I really do think this is a, a wonderful film that, that really makes you think. And I think that that's really the point of the film is that we should be thinking about what our, our next move is and also what we can do to solve our problems that we have at the current time. You should always be looking forward, but also you should be looking at what what's happening with, with, with the current state of things. And I feel like so many issues are thrown out as insurmountable problems that, well, we're never going to solve the issues in, uh, that are happening with, with, with conflicts, so we should just put them out of mind and whatever. And really, in The Martian, it's a, obviously a, a much more personal thing because it's this one person that's happening to but basically he he's forced to have to solve these problems and i I think that's says something that maybe we shouldn't let things get to the point where we're forced to solve them like um 
climate change. Mm. It's a perfect example of this is everyone keeps seeing the warning signs of, oh, this could be a problem. And we've just chosen pretty much to have a fucking debate of whether it exists or not. <laughs> Maybe where... we should like not wait to solve the problem until like we're right at the nice edge of dying. But I think I think that like it, Mark Watney is on right. the Mars because it would not necessarily be that easy to just say not that it was easy for him necessarily he at all. But at the same time, maybe it would not even be as possible to survive that situation. I think that's a great message from this film that a we can do anything and b we probably should do things. Hold that, on, you guys don't actually think this <laughs> global warming thing is real, do you? <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that right now. Gonna, I love how serious you were because I thought you were you were actually gonna get to have a real thing about what I was saying. I'm not gonna do. This and then right you now. brought it brought it back to climate change. So I, I like it. But no, I, I I think what the film overall is saying, and even though I I do find that there are things in this film that I, I didn't necessarily love in terms of like some of the awkward dialogue amongst the characters, not necessarily just Mark Watney's, but amongst the other characters. Um, some of that was okay. Some of the plot decisions, I didn't necessarily love everything about them, but overall big picture, I, I really did like this film and what it was trying to say and the message that it, it brought to the table. Uh, and I'm going to say I was a big fan of it and I'm going to give it four out of five stars is I'm a big fan of the Martian and I, I really am looking forward to seeing it again. Cause I think this is a film that will be better on a second viewing. Hmm. Okay. I can see that. As far as how I feel, I'm pretty much on the exact same page as you, Alex. Oh, okay. I uh, I really enjoyed it, and I, you know, I I don't think it's perfect or anything like that. But this is the kind of big budget filmmaking I want to see more of. I want to see less uh, Marvel movies, so to speak, <laughs> and I want to see more like movies about like things that we don't get to see every year now. You know, like because as what was the last time we had a space travel movie? I, I could think of like. 2009's Moon, but even that was a pretty radically different space travel movie because it's really just about a man on a space station. Um, yeah, and I, I even involves the films that involve space. Like if you want to talk about Prometheus, they're on a yeah. foreign planet the entire time. There's not right. space travel. And really I guess I did just that. skip over the one that we were even talking about earlier, which was Interstellar. But yeah. that's such a radically, I would say. Uh, different take on a space travel because i mean there's no mission control there's no you know what i mean like it's it's more of a uh it's more of like a road trip movie <laughs> to space road trip um but yeah because we don't get to see this very often I'm, I'm glad that ridley scott still has the passion to make these kind of sci-fi epics um and of course alien is one of my all-time favorite films so i was glad to see him return to his arena in which i think he does best in mm. um but with all of the kind of i would say all the problems that he kind of fixed with uh, Prometheus because that's not a perfect film. I, I do enjoy it, but almost yeah. as a guilty pleasure because hmm. I just I just like the way it works, not because I think it actually does work. I don't know. But anyway, um, I was a big fan of this, and I, I really did enjoy his personality um, and kind of like the, the wit that normally doesn't come with these kind of very, I don't know, gravitas, heavy uh, scenarios. Um and so, therefore, I, I was a big fan of it. And I also want to point out once again that this was one of the very first, if not only, space travel films that I genuinely uh, loved both the parallel stories of both the, the space happenings and the mission control. I really thought that the um, – not mission control, but the Earth-NASA scenes, I really thought that they had a – I would say a procedural punch to them that 
is missing in a lot of them because they just feel obligatory in most in the other ones. Whereas in this one, I didn't feel like it was obligatory. I thought this was actually uh, completely organic, and it, it had to like keep returning to them. Yeah, I, I, I want to bring up something that I honestly wanted to bring up, but I totally forgot about uh, to mention when I was uh, talking about my feelings on the film earlier on. Is that I, I, I something I liked about the way that the film was set up? Uh, it was that we didn't get forced into we have to see Mark Watney every five minutes or every six minutes. There were fifteen to twenty minute scenes without him in it, and then there were fifteen to twenty minute scenes with just him. Yeah, and I, I feel like we went almost like forty five to fifty minutes without seeing his crew, Jessica Chastain. Uh, and and the rest of them, Kate Mara, we, we went a whole huge say, chunk of the film without seeing them, and yeah. I really feel like that worked. It was upwards of an hour for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I love especially because it does what it needs to do. Because we do not see anything of Earth. I want to say for a good half hour. I feel like we see the like the the, the sandstorm itself with the crew and whatnot, and then maybe we see earth like just to announce that he's dead mm-hmm. but then the minute that he you know he's alive we, i i want to say we stick with him for a good 20 minutes to a half hour just to like acclimate to just like matt damon is and i like, feel i feel like that was that whole yeah. decision and other parts in the film where they do the opposite and they yeah. get away from them are are were great choices agreed and and it really does give you that feeling of whichever one is trying to portray whether we're stuck with mark and we feel like you know that there's no going back to earth or whatever or in the same way that like when we see the nat- NASA scenes, and we get almost like sucked into the NASA scene. Then it's almost like we feel like they're, they're forgetting that there's a human being behind this on the other planet. So that's that's why I love the pacing of the film, uh, as uh, like you just brought up. I thought, thought that was fantastic. So I I would give the film four out of five stars. It's not perfect by any means, but man, did I pretty much enjoy every second of watching it. And I think another part of this too has to come into play. And I think Tucson, you may have mentioned this earlier about really Scott, but. I had very low expectations for this film yeah. after seeing his his more recent work, and I think this is just another example of he probably should stick with science fiction and stay away from these honestly really just boring stories. Maybe he should work on making new science fiction films with new properties instead of going back to his old properties. Oh, here we go. I'm I'm just look not excited for Paradise Lost. I'm, we I'm, all know you'll be there the first weekend this film's yeah, out. Yeah, I said that in my in my review. I would I would be there to see a sequel to Prometheus, but I'd rather see that than a blonde comp alien film. Yeah, you know, yeah. We'll hopefully down the road get our chance to talk about both of those eventually. Yeah, yeah. but uh, this week uh, this was very fun, uh, very interesting, and and I was thanks surprised. for coming, you guys. Yeah, seriously, oh, thanks though. for having that me, was man. Yeah, yeah. this is great. All good. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you guys I, do this every week. Yeah. I, wow. I'm, I'm glad because I'm 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 a little surprised that we had somewhat differing opinions, even though me and Nick were. Un- unusually, for the most part, on the exact same yeah, page with this the film. Hell? But I, 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 I was shocked that Toussaint had a, a different opinion, and I'm glad you did because I feel like it brought more to the conversation. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, on our next week's episode, we're we're moving more into the heart of October as we're going to start our first... Pumpkin movies! Yeah, we're going to start our first of uh, three straight weeks of a horror slash... Um, October-themed uh, things. Halloween Town, uh, Halloween Town 2, Caliban's Revenge, Halloween Town 3. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, oh my goodness. Is that is that the subtitle of Halloween 3? Halloween Town 3? 
No. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> oh, hell no. Sharknado 3. Uh, oh, boy. We're going to do that film next week. It's very Halloween related. No, we're, Halloween we're doing town. three straight weeks? I thought yeah, we, we are. Four. No, we were only doing three. Oh, because we're already in October. I, I'm, we are. I'm forgetting. This what, was the first October, and there's only four we episodes. We are already oh, October. Man. Silly me. But if, I guess we could give everyone a preview of what we're going to be doing yeah. for the next, and give you an idea of what October will be as a whole, because we, we know what it's going to be, right? It's going to be a spooky <laughs> So this com- upcoming week, we're going to be reviewing uh, a classic, I guess you could call it, the, the original Scream film. <gasps> I didn't know that. You didn't know we were reviewing that. You didn't know what that film was. I was trying to like act a pride, like I was, you know, letting the viewers step into my shoes. Oh, okay, but yeah. no, I knew that. Breaking the fourth wall. Uh, in the following week, which will be two weeks from now, we're going to be moving into another new film uh, and a very. Um, I'm interested to see what it is because I have my doubts of if it'll be any good. Which is Whoa. Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Whoa. Peak. Don't Whoa. fall. Why do you have your doubts? Don't fall, Del Toro. It's not his fault. We'll see. Just because Pacific Rim was a piece of shit doesn't well, mean hey, he's... you shut the fuck up about Pacific <laughs> Rim. It was a piece. Of, it was I think, hey, man, I think we'll have thoughts on it. So, I, but and I, Pacific I, shit. I, wow, I, I definitely think uh, I'll have my opinion on. it. I don't know if it'll be good or bad. But... Have you watched the Del Toro horror film? I mean, that's normally what he does. I know, and and, and I I have I have feelings that it'll be good. But I seen the trailer and knowing what the subject matter is, I'm I have my doubts on it. But we'll see. And we'll obviously talk about it in a couple weeks. Yeah, we will. And to close out October, our final episode will I'm be so excited. I know we'll be discussing as its entirety the Saw franchise, all oh. seven films. And if you want to get really excited, Kenny Marcellus will be making his first appearance back on the show <laughs> Woo! on oh the Saw God. episode in a few weeks. A recurring character, man, We're bringing him back. <laughs> yeah, like when the soap opera kills his him off first episode then... in like three months. Yay. But you know what? What an episode to come back to. I, I, I know he loves horror films, as uh, if you've listened to our, some of our previous episodes, you may have picked up from Kenny, and I, I know he likes the Saw franchise. Yeah. I, I want viewers to get pumped for the Saw episode, because I gotta say, that is the kind of shit that I would not like, and I feel like I might be the biggest fan of those fucking movies here, because yeah. I just, I can talk about them now and stop, and, and, I, and I will. We're going to talk about it. It's probably going to be a somewhat lengthy episode. As it we're better be, or I will be disappointed. I don't know if we'll necessarily have much to say about Saw 5, or Saw 4, for that matter. I'll have stuff to say about Saw 4. Okay. Saw, Saw 5, five maybe not. Might, is, might be a short discussion on that oh one. Boy, that's Can we just a... forget that exists? Oh no, no we're talking about it. God yeah, it's it's part of the part of the series. Uh, Luke from part. Gilmore Girls shows up, so we got to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> but that is something to look forward to and that's the the rest of October to look forward to as we have a lot of exciting things coming up in then October. And then after October we're moving straight into Season when when bigger releases are going to come out, Spectre, Star Wars, November. Okay, Tucson. (laughs) So also Tucson was last episode will be the Saw episode. So (laughs) look forward to that. But yeah, I I guess that's what I wanted to to get at. That we have a lot of good things coming forward here on Film Tank, and it's going to be a fun end to the uh, the year here for us. So look forward to uh, forward to it. Look forward to all of those upcoming episodes, and look forward to uh, next week when we'll uh, have our review of Scream coming your way. Is that what? That's, that, was, that was my scream. That's oh, your man. everything. Yeah, I know. That's my like pterodactyl. That's my episode. scream. That's my uh, climax scream. That's Whoa. my uh, TMI yeah. or just enough information. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a, a, a feelings Ladies. on The Martian that you'd like us to bring up on a, on a 
future episode or you have feelings on Scream or on Crimson Peak or on any of the Saw films or the Saw series and you want to send those on to us, you could always do that at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You could also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show where you could message us or uh, send us a tweet or put a photo or Nudes, suggest whatever or whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, you can always find our episodes on filmtankshow.com or on iTunes That's or right. Stitcher where we are on both of those sites and we're, we're back on Stitcher now. We are. Yay. For now. For, for now. We'll, <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> so from uh, Nick Cheney, Tucson Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to uh, episode 34 of Film Tank and we will catch up with you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.